You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Ah, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. I, uh, those of you who are in the splash zone back there, uh, some, somebody asked for service. They said, Mike, didn't we get our roof fixed? I said, no, not yet. <laughs> they need like two weeks of complete sunshine before they can do this. And uh, I don't know what's happening with our weather here. It never rains. <laughs> now it's just... And uh, the guys have been up on the roof. In fact, if you see Pastor uh, Rich and, and John, uh, Pastor John, they've been up on the roof uh, quite a bit, putting down all this mastic stuff and getting things right. I think the whole roof is now covered in that stuff. And they, 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 we think they had it. And then, uh, you know, they got the all clear. The trustees said, hey, no, no raining at all. Then that big deluge a couple of days ago, and it was raining in here, <laughs> right over there. And uh, so sorry about that. If, uh, and you might hear a few little drops as we go along. It doesn't look like it's raining heavily yet, so maybe you'll get out of here by that time. And that'll be great. But so glad that you're here. Why don't you take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to the Bible book of Mark. We're continuing on in our series, uh, Jesus Saves, and, and looking in the Bible book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. If you don't have a Bible, our wonderful and amazing ushers, are coming down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hands. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them, and uh, they'll uh, be happy to do that. I also encourage you to uh, take out of your worship folder. Uh, there's an outline inside there. There's some blanks to fill in. The bl- answers will be up on the screen, and you'll uh, lots of good things from taking notes. But uh, also, I want to encourage you at the end of the service in the lobby area uh, to pick up one of these study guides. Uh, there are on the back are the answers to the fill in the blanks and all the extra verses that we give out. But on the front side is a good study. It's, you can use it for a personal study or you can use it for your life groups. Many of you do that. There's also a, a going deeper section, which we've added to that, that you might want to take a look at. And I think you'll be uh, um, encouraged by that. I'll be referring to that uh, in a little bit. But there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a fun reality of, uh, to human nature most all of us get into in some way or another. Uh, whole industries and TV shows and stores and time is dedicated to this venture. Uh, you most likely participated in it already today. What this fun reality is, is contributing to and participating in the restoration process. It's very evident from you seeing so good that you are, are how we're involved in that restoration process because if we would have seen you this morning when you got out of bed, hmm. Well, maybe you're just beautiful when you get up. Huh? I don't know about me. I look like a train wreck. I mean, the hair is going, you know, some way, and I don't know what happened to my face. But uh, uh, are you guys awake this morning? Come on. Yeah. We're with you. Okay. But, but, but we love to be involved in, in, in contributing to this restoration process. Uh, we love to renovate, repurpose, renew, revive, rejuvenate, and refix what we can. Uh, to take something that has been weathered and worn and beaten up and bring it back from its damaged condition. Uh, we like to get involved in, in helping to restore that which has succumbed to the unfortunate law, second law of thermodynamics. Any of you know that law? Yeah, it's a law of entropy, where things move from order to chaos. If you don't 
understand that uh, theory, that law, just look at your young adult or teenager's room or your own room or your garage. <laughs> it's amazing how things move from order to chaos. Uh, uh, it, it just happens, and you know, like I said, maybe for me, it's for sure in the morning. That's when I look up. But I have a, uh, I have three amazing grandsons, and uh, one of them, Nels, uh, he is entropy in motion. I don't know what it is about him, but you know, Christy's got our our. We kicked out our kids, and we made one of the rooms a playroom for our grandkids. And Christy got all the stuff all sorted in little bins, you know, like she does in her teacher thing, and you know, and she got everything in little bins. And Nels comes in. And for some reason, his joy is to move from order to chaos. So he opens up every drawer and dumps it out and just revels in it and, and, and just thinks it's the greatest thing in the entire world. But um, we love to be involved uh, in the restoration of that. You know, some of you are really like into cleaning things. Boy, when it comes to that, you like all the little containers and you get all this stuff and you get everything all sorted. And when someone messes up, wah! You uh, have a fit, but we love it when we take something in, uh, that used to be worn out and beaten up and make it into something new or maybe even make it into something better. We participate in renewal when, with our yards. You know, they need to be weeded and cared for, and many people love that. Uh, we renovate our homes as we re-roof, or, or our churches, as we re-roof and, uh, and repair and repaint. And, and home improvement continues to be a, a booming business and on the rise, uh, we have a neighbor just down a few houses and over, and, and he loves to, he's working on his house. He gutted his whole house, and now he's renovating it, and it's amazing. And you should see the joy in his face. Oh, Mike, look, I did this. And he, and he did some really cool things that now I want to do to my house. <laughs> and it's, it's fun to do. We wash our hands because they get dirty. We shower because our flesh is constantly in decay. Oh, hey, by the way, did you know that every night you uh, shed off all kinds of old skin and your mattress now weighs more than it did when you first bought it yeah thanks for the reminder are you going to go into bed tonight going no. i won't talk about the dust mites we'll leave that for a, another time but we clean our clothes because dirt happens we exercise and diet because we don't spontaneously get healthy we want to be like this instead we're like this and it just it just that happens naturally. <laughs> the other one doesn't. And uh, uh, we all seek to get involved in renewal-type activities because of the natural law of decay and deterioration. It just happens. Uh, that's why we make goals and why we have ambitions and, and uh, form resolutions. And there actually is a fun in that. Uh, yes, it sure takes something but, and energy, but there's an excitement in that. And and the community in that. There's all kinds of exercise clubs that come out and running clubs and cycling clubs and all kinds of different things of, of, the, of the community around that, but also in, in the areas of helping when life gets too difficult. There are help groups. That's why we have a grief support group where people gather around and encourage each other, and there's a community there. And that's why we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery because we can gather together and, and, and celebrate how God is at touch with us because though... Uh, life tends to be uh, contagious and, and, and caustic and, and contaminating, there is a regeneration from Jesus. And, and we get excited about that, and, and we move forward with that. We do, uh, um, we do all this and even have fun in it because life does contaminate, and, 
And life follows that second law of thermodynamics, moving from order to chaos, whether it's financially or relationally or physically or even spiritually. But where, where life contaminates, Jesus regenerates, and Jesus wants us to experience renewal, but also to help others find restoration in him as well. This reality where, where life contaminates and Jesus regenerates is seen in a, a very interesting encounter in our passage today, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, where Jesus' miraculous touch eradicates sin's corrosive nature and renews one who knows full well the contamination of life and the isolation and the marginalization this brings. And so this morning, I'd like for us to, to look into this happening, this event, and see how we can not only experience Jesus' restorative touch, but how we might find how Jesus is followed to follow Jesus' example and reach to those who are in the margins. As we explore two choices, so Jesus saves, so we're to reach the margins as well. Before we do that, why don't you stand up and, and let's ask God to teach us <coughs> something this morning. Um, I believe uh, God has something for you this morning. A uh, young man came up to me after the second service and just, you know, we prayed that God would speak to our hearts and he said, Mike, this something hit me this morning and that really made sense. And so I'm praying that same for you this morning, that maybe this will be a an aha moment for you that a light will go on and and you'll understand that and and so let's ask God to, to do something in our hearts. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy it is to come uh, together to to sing songs to be thinking about you and and Lord now as we think about life and Lord it'll be maybe a little bit uncomfortable to talk about the contamination of life and sin and and yet Lord there's great hope in your regenerative touch. So, God, I pray that you would open that up to that, Lord, as Holy Spirit meets each one of us at our point of need and challenge us and help us and encourage us and walk us through this morning. And may we learn something in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat and take out that outline and jot down some notes or walk through this together. But the interaction with Jesus uh, went like this, and if you want to follow along, it's in Mark Chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. I'm reading out of the ESV or English Standard Version. Some of you have different versions, and we'll look into that in a moment. But it goes like this, verse 40. And a leper came to him, that's Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. Now, some of you, if you have an NIV, it says move with indignation, or Jesus with indignation. Or some of you say with uh, compassion, and we'll talk about that. That's one of the issues with this passage, but I want to just let you know that. But move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and it spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was only in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, an interesting passage that brings up some questions. Like, why was Jesus so stern 
and sent this guy out and away and warned him not to say anything, and yet he directly disobeys Jesus. And why this story? Of all the hundreds of stories of Jesus, why did Mark pick this and put it in the place he did in the very first part of his gospel? And then, wow, Jesus touches a leper, and instead of Jesus being infected, this guy is purified. Well, I believe Mark wrote this and placed it in this place in the gospel to bring out two challenges in living out our salvation. The first challenge is to face the reality of sin's contamination. Where sin contaminates, Jesus regenerates. Now, leprosy, uh, back in ancient times, it does exist now in some places, but it's not nearly as contagious and nor is it nearly as deadly as it was in the ancient world. Uh, Leprosy was a uh, a nerve-killing, flesh-eating disease. When you got leprosy, uh, there was no cure. Uh, uh, You would... uh, Put your hand in a fire and you wouldn't know and feel that it's hot and so it would begin to burn and then that flesh would get infected and, and, and people with leprosy, they had a, their skin would just rot off and sometimes appendages would fall off and there was an, an unmistakable odor of rotting flesh. People were ostracized. They were ripped away from their families and friends and shamed, lonely, left to beg and die a slow, painful, isolated existence. And like cancer is today, people feared they would get it. And so even biblical law, if you want to write down Leviticus chapter 13, that whole chapter deals with what to do with people and what to do with leprosy, stated in that chapter that lepers needed to warn people as they approached by yelling out, unclean, unclean. Some say they even needed to wear bells or like a cowbell so people would hear them and be able to, to run away because they might catch this disease. It was humiliating. It was devastating. It was isolating. And Mark brings this story out to help people see the devastation and isolation sin brings. For we have a similar disease. It's called sin. You have the verse right in front of you on your notes, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the unfortunate truth is that we were born with it and we keep adding to it all through life. We were born with this unfortunate disease from sin. We can blame Adam if you want, but the Bible is clear that since Adam brought sin into the world, all have sinned. And we add to it all the time. Uh, We perform sins of omission. In other words, we omit the things that God tells us to do. God tells us to love our neighbor. God tells us to to reach out to the poor. God tells us to give. God tells us to serve. And we omit that. Those are sins of omission. And then there's things that we commit to do. We do the very thing God tells us not to do. Uh, Those are sins of commission. God tells us not to lie or to cheat or to steal, and yet we do. And we commit sins. Uh, See, a sin is, is missing God's mark. Our world, our universe, all that we see, God created. He is the intelligent designer of everything we see. It didn't just happen. God created it and set it into motion. And it's his. It's his universe. It's his solar system. It's his 
planet. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He is our owner. <laughs> Therefore, being that God is in control, he, we are due to follow life his way. He created it. He made it fit. We're to follow him. And when we choose to go not his way, we miss God's mark. Literally, that means sin, missing the mark. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I know it's not all warm hugs and sunshine talking about sin. <laughs> but we're talking about leprosy here. And, and sin is very similar. If ignored and gone unchecked, it will eat us alive. Just like leprosy. Sin separates us from God, as Isaiah 59, 2 says. And that's a very difficult separation because we're not connected with God. We can't fulfill our potential of life, the thing that we are created for. We can't know God and, and, and glean from his character because of that separation. And as Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and other places in Scripture talk about, that separation will lead us and drag us into death, not just a physical death, but the eternal death of life in H-E double hockey sticks, hell. And not only that, sin gets even worse. As sin mixes with our flesh, it's created this caustic cesspool of hurtful and harmful life, cho life choices. Galatians, and, and, and it's also found in Colossians, there's a, there's a list, but the list in Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 and 21, talks about this and gives that list. Listen to, uh, it's up on the screen, listen to this list of, of what, when sin mixed in our flesh causes. Galatians 5, 19 and 21. Now, the works of the flesh mixed in with sin are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This cho these choices, like leprosy, lead to isolation and loneliness. And it's true. I've experienced it, and so have you. It's the angry person whose fits of rage push people away. It's the self-focused one whose jealousy, envy, and rivalries have halted friendships. It's the one who has taken God out of their life and replaced him with an all-consuming idol, and now there is no time for real interaction. And I could go on and on like leprosy, sin, isolates. Isolates and creates an incredible loneliness. In an article, kind of an interesting magazine, June 22nd, uh, 19, or excuse me, uh, 2016, in Fortune magazine of all places, article talked about how isolation and loneliness are on the rise and how debilitating and dangerous this condition is. The, the article actually goes in and, and cites all these psychological studies that have been done <clears throat> about the effects of loneliness on our life. Loneliness is bad for your health. We, we lose the ability to empathize. And empathy is so important in relationships to be able to, to understand and feel what people feel. Uh, we lose that when we're lonely. Loneliness puts us into survival mode and, and, and feeds our self-focused tendencies. And actually, lonely people die sooner. You see, sin is caustic. 
And this is why I believe the better translation of Mark chapter 1, verse 41 is actually the NIV version. It's, it's up on your screen here. It reads like this. Jesus was indignant. Now, wait a minute, Mike. You just read over in your version that Jesus was moved with pity. And some of you have in other versions, Jesus was moved with compassion. Is our Bible wrong? No. This is a, a textual criticism issue. Uh, our Bible, the one that you have in your hand, is a phenomenal and excellent and accurate translation. And you can stake your life on those words. <clears throat> but this Bible that we have was uh, translated and scribed from the original. We don't have the original of Mark that Mark actually scribed down and wrote. But we have copies of that. And this area of textual criticism explains how we get our scripture and how accurate it is. And if you're, if you're interested, there's an article, and I don't know if they're still out there in the lobby, but from the Lee Strobel, <coughs> excuse me, an investigative reporter, wrote this book, The Case for Christ. And inside there, one of the chapters, he talks about this idea and this area of textual criticism and how accurate our scripture is, far more accurate than any other ancient a book that's out there because we have the closest to the originals of the text and, and the, we have so many copies that they have come against each other. However, in this particular passage, there is one of one of the older manuscripts or only fam family of manuscripts that has the word um, uh, Jesus was indignant or actually you translate it as uh, warm indignation. The truth is Jesus did have uh, compassion on this uh, person that was leprous and it did have pity on them and uh, uh, he was moved with that but he was also moved with this idea of this indignation this warm indignation because of the corrosiveness of sin he, he was not indignant towards the leper but of the sin see this leper had suffered for years with this sin generated disease and and, and and thinking of all of humanity as well of cancer and broken marriages and fractured relationships and and people victimized and people acting out their sin jesus was indignant he was angry <clears throat> resentful mad annoyed irritated at the caustic nature corrosive nature contamination of sin for sin yanks people into an isolation of despair and drags people into hell <clears throat> see sin is not some little deal not some little white lie or some little mistake over here. And we all would feel a, a little outraged if someone had hurt our loved one. Now, like I said, I have three amazing, perfect, awesome, incredible grandsons. And there's been times when I have been out uh, in my little double stroller hanging out with two of them. And, and all of a sudden, this car pulls out from a driveway and doesn't think to look. And I was a little indignant. Not warm indignation, but I was ticked off because two of the most important people in my life are there, and I don't want any harm to them. And how much more does Jesus, who loves us incredibly, feel about this horrifying reality of sin and how it eats away at our life day by day by day by day by day? He was indignant. Look at what sin does. 
Jesus was indignant, and so should we. Sin destroys relationships with a sin of selfishness. It blows up lives with a sin of want. It devastates futures with the sin of pride. Sin is caustic, and we should stop playing with fire. It messes us up. And maybe we should be a little indignant towards sin like Jesus. Not people, but sin. One of the images that just hits me and, and makes it home for me, and, and, and it, it hits me as I... I picture when I sin, and unfortunately, <laughs> I feel like the chief of all sinners. Uh, I make mistakes. I say things I shouldn't. I think things I shouldn't. I do things I shouldn't. And it just goes, ah. But the reality of living in the sin culture and the current that flows along, we just jump right in and whoo, get swept away. Or sometimes we willfully, oh, jump in. I'm going to swim that way. But I, I had this picture because it was our sin that nailed Christ to the cross. And I just picture every time I sin, I grab up a nail and a mallet and I whack that in there through his hands and through his feet or I beat down that crown of thorns on his head. That sense of indignation should hit us and drive us to the regenerative touch of Jesus. Now, we can't let our indignation of sin move us to legalism where we find our peace in trying to act right. For that <clears throat> gap that's there, there's nothing we can humanly do to fix the gap. We can't somehow cleanse ourselves from this leprous sin condition. There is no cure humanly for that. There is only one cure where sin contaminates. Jesus is the one regenerates but we have to do what this leper did and humbly kneel before Jesus for where life contaminates Jesus regenerates and we are to the second challenge here embrace the regenerative touch of Jesus embrace the regeneration of Jesus touch Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper mark 1 42 and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. <clears throat> that was amazing. Everything that leper had touched was both physically and spiritually and ceremoniously now unclean. But Jesus, Jesus has the only power to purify where sin contaminates. Jesus regenerates. He brings us back into community with God. He closes the gap. He allows us to experience God in a new way, and he deals and cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. And we are made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Behold, <clears throat> what once was disheveled and corroded, now a new creation has been given in Christ. Isaiah 1, verses 16 and 18, that we are made pure, white as snow. Though our sins be as scarlet, now they are white as snow. And I love what first, or excuse me, what John 1, 29, John the Baptist is, is, is speaking of Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, it's only Jesus 
Not any action on our part. No action on our part can bridge the gap. No action on our part can heal the leprous sin of our life. It's only Jesus. Not money, not friends, not a good job, not less stress, not less problems, not good health, not a hip church, not some spiritual experience. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's only Jesus. He died for our sins and then he rose again, conquering sin. And that day that we celebrate so wonderfully on Easter, when, he, when we celebrate him busting out of that tomb, it's that confirmation that he did his job. Sin is done. We are cleansed. We no longer have to deal with the, the, the shame of our sin, for it has been dealt with by the cross of Christ. It's enough. So we are to embrace him. Too much, and I so bad wants you to get this too much we think if i just had a little more money if i just had a little more time if there was just not so much stress no problems a a great job a cool friends some spiritual emotional experience healing from our issues our prayers answered our situation altered that would be the answer that somehow if my circumstances are better then i'm really saved The truth is we live in a sin-filled, caustic, leprous world, and it's going to get on us. But yet, we can strive and live for that touch of Christ and be able to walk through. We still may experience death. We still may experience hard times. We still may have sons or daughters that leave God. We still may have a fractured marriage or it may explode in divorce. All those things may happen. We may get cancer. But that doesn't change the reality of the deeper issue of Christ. That we are still cleansed from the leprosy that can really kill us. Leprosy of sin. The answer is still Jesus, just Jesus, knowing him and choosing to live life his way. I love the song that we sang, that uh, uh, for me to live is Christ. That comes from Philippians chapter 1 verse 2, where Paul is talking to the writings of Philippian believers and he's saying to them, for me to live is Christ. Not for my circumstances to be good. And see, the the problem is is that we come into Christian faith and we think that Jesus is some kind of cure-all for everything. Really just the surface things. That because I know Jesus, I shouldn't have cancer. Because I know Jesus, I shouldn't have this ailment. Because I know Jesus, nothing wrong should go in my life. Everything should be sunshine and warm hugs. And sipping lemonade. Sitting on a deck chair somewhere, some really good boat where there's lots of food flowing wonderfully. (laughs) We live in a sin-filled world, and those surface things are going to hit us constantly. And what we need to focus on is the touch of Jesus and embrace him. And that's why uh, Paul goes on in in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, and he says, I press on to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. See, it's knowing him, and yet we can put our faith in our circumstances or in our answered prayer and actually have indignation towards God for not doing what I want. This is why I believe Jesus was a bit stern in warning this guy to tell him, telling him to tell no one. Look at verse 43 again. He says, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. That word, the wording 
sent him away, it, it, it literally means cast him out. Actually, if you look all throughout Mark where, where Jesus cast out demons, it's the same word. Jesus was casting him out saying, get out, because he probably knew this guy was going to go blab all over that he got healed. Not that he got saved, but that he got healed. Yes, to go to the priest, because Jesus wanted that miracle verified. Because the priest would have to say, how would you get healed? <laughs> the guy would say, well, this, this guy came in, Jesus, and he touched me. He touched you when it was healed? Yeah, and there's no leprosy on you? Yeah, they had to verify that as a bona fide miracle of God, proving that Jesus was more than just a good teacher. That he was miraculous in that way. But also to bring this guy back into community. Because the priest needed to certify the leper was clean and everyone then would accept him back. Because Jesus was also wanting him to come back from isolation into community. Jesus warned the healed man not to spread it around because Jesus knew people would just want the surface healing. And not face the real issue of their sin condition and Jesus' touch that brings regeneration. And we tend to be the same. We want our circumstances changed and think that's all there is to being saved. And yet the, what, what's there to be saved is to embrace Jesus for who he is, to understand how amazing and incredible and transforming he is and his way of life is good. That's where regeneration and transformation and being remade is found as we embrace Jesus. The question is, do we? <clears throat> do we embrace Jesus as Lord, as King, as sovereign in our life? We need to quit trying to appease Jesus and look, and look to answer prayer as our level of spirituality, but to embrace Jesus and to know him and to make him known. And that takes the humility like the leper. To come and bow before and kneel before Jesus. Sin contaminates. Jesus regenerates. And maybe it's time to see <clears throat> the leprosy of our own life and humbly come to Jesus. And be more about him than the circumstance you're dealing with. Because when Jesus saves us, we are his disciples, and we are to seek to reach out to those in the margins, those isolated by sin's contamination, and reach out with love and help them experience Jesus' touch. It's one of the reasons why we love our neighbors. It's one of the reasons why we reach out to our community to follow Jesus who came to seek and save the lost, as Luke 19.10 talks about. See, where, where life contaminates, Jesus regenerates that rest restoration project jesus has called us to that's the one and so why not join in it's the most gratifying and fulfilling restoration project you can be part of it starts with each of us taking on the challenge to face the reality of sin's leprous contamination condition and embrace the regeneration of jesus's touch and in the process helping others find jesus the question is, will you? Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, I, I know it's not 
fun to talk about the corrosive nature of sin. But Lord, sometimes we get so inoculated with it because it's so much in our world. And then, Lord, we just want to be healed. And we're not thinking about, do we really know you? Have we really embraced you? To embrace you is to be obedient to your will and to your way. So God, help us. Help us be like that leper, so desperate that we would come and kneel before you. Lord, forgive us for being casual with sin and not showing that indignation that you have and really seeing its caustic nature. And help us to live according to your will and your way. Thanks that we <clears throat> don't have to focus on the corrosive nature of sin, but we can focus on the regeneration of you. Jesus, you make us clean. You bring us into relationship with you, Lord. Fill us anew, and you do heal us from the corrosiveness of sin. And sometimes heal us from other things as well. Thank you for that. We love you for that. We ask you to bless us and help us and challenge us. We pray in your name. Amen. We're going to move into a time of just reflection. <clears throat> it's a time we have most every one of our services that we do where we give you an opportunity as a song is being played and sung just to talk to God. And I want to encourage you to really talk to God. Have you really come and embraced him fully it happens all the time here last couple of weeks a number of people have come and asked for help in, 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 in really being saved in, in, in understanding their depravity their sin and that they need a savior and it's Jesus and, and they begin a whole new life in him and you can do that same thing here whether it's coming to talk to somebody or just in the quietness of your seat you can pray and say Lord I get it I need to be saved and I want you to save me from my sin condition from my leprous condition me in that. It's also an opportunity for you to think through. Maybe your faith is so much on the surface and you really haven't gotten below the surface. You think that all about faith is is getting your circumstances fixed and not about really embracing Jesus. Talk to him about that. And if it helps, uh, we're going to kind of open up the front here and, and, and you can come and maybe even literally kneel before Jesus. It, it doesn't do anything more magical for you, but if it helps you, you can and and do that. If you want to have someone to pray with, we have our prayer team members and our pastors and our elders, and they're taking places right now. They're moving, and some of them will be up front here. Some of them will be in the aisleways. Some will be on the side. And if you want someone to stand with you in prayer, maybe it's an issue that you're dealing with. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody about what's been going on in your own mind or from what we just talked about, or just some other things. You can feel free to come and pray with us as well. But uh, this is an opportunity for you and God to do some business. So if you wouldn't mind all standing. And as, again, this song is sung and, and, and played, if you'd like to pray, and again, if you want to come kneel, fine, you don't have to. That's nothing magical with that. It's just if it helps you. If you want to come pray with one of us, we'd love for that to happen. But certainly you talk to God. This is an opportunity for you. So let's connect with God.